Welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. And now your host, Sonia Estrasoltani. Welcome to this new episode of the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. I'm your host today, Sonia Estrasoltani. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Rappaport. And my guest is Rick Schatz, the founder of Rick Schatz in New York. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good morning, Sonia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We're happy to have Rick on this podcast today to discuss the current status of the estate jewelry market. Is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market? But before we get there, Rick, can you tell us a bit more about your journey into estate jewelry? Because I don't think you started as an estate. Estate jewelry wasn't your first vocation. No, let's see. I'm in this business probably close to 50 years now. I graduated from NYU in 1971 as an aerospace engineer. I went to work for Westinghouse. I stayed there about a year. It wasn't quite what I had thought it was going to be being an engineer. And um, I knew somebody that worked for Harry Winston, and uh, I was able to get a job there. And that was my first job in the diamond business, uh, working for Harry Winston, learning how to sort diamonds. And uh, I stayed there about a year. I wanted to go into sales and they just didn't have an opening for me. So I migrated to 47th Street and uh, went to work uh, selling diamonds uh, for a company on 47th Street. That kind of stuff for a few years. And eventually I went on my own. That was back in the 70s. In the late 70s, prices of everything started to go berserk. Silver, gold, diamonds all went up like crazy. Gold went from three hundred to eight fifty. Silver went to ten to fifty dollars, and a deep flawless, which I don't remember exactly, but I think it was six or seven thousand dollars a carat, went up as high as sixty three thousand dollars per carat for a one carat D internally flawless. It was it was just crazy times, and I was involved in selling large uh, off color cape diamonds. We were selling them to the Middle East. And when I say large, we were cutting stones of 50 carats and larger. The largest we finished was actually over 180 carats. And there was a market for it. There was a lot of oil money in the, in the Middle East. And we did very well. And we, we had a captive audience there. And uh, everything went great until the 80s came. And the diamond business went bust. And gold fell. And silver fell. And diamonds fell. And flawless fell back down to seven or eight thousand dollars and i didn't think we would ever sell another diamond but the market slowly came back and uh, in 1985 i came up with a concept i realized that people needed to sell and uh, all around the country and um, i figured if uh, that they didn't have the resources or the outlets that we had in new york so i started uh, trying to buy, you know, or be their outlet, I should say, for things that they were buying secondhand. Uh, stores always bought diamonds and rings secondhand, and they had a very limited outlet for themselves. They might go to their half a dozen or, or a dozen top customers to try and sell something that they bought secondhand, and it might have been a ring for five or $10,000, and uh, if they weren't successful, they needed out. They needed the liquidity, and we were we were just that place. And we were we were buying mostly diamonds in those days. And my engineering background helped me a lot because uh, a lot of diamonds secondhand needed repair and needed fixing or 
or whatever in order to bring out the most out of them. And uh, I was able to somehow conceptually look at a diamond and be able to see that. And that helped us quite a lot. Um, I was buying lots of antique cuts and old European cuts and old mine cuts. And that kind of was my segue into the estate business. We didn't buy a lot of jewelry in the beginning. And truthfully, I, I really didn't understand the jewelry. But we developed a name that stores could trust and count on us to sell their diamonds. Uh, we kind of coined a phrase, uh, overnight check, and we paid immediately for whatever we bought. And, and stores knew that and knew that they had an outlet to get out of what they had just bought secondhand. When gold went up six or seven years ago, there became a very big market for breakout melly, and we became very major players in that due to our connections with all these stores and dealers around the country and around the world as well. We had a large following, and they knew they could count on us. About five years ago, a store offered us a signed Cartier brooch that was no longer available in stores. It was literally a one-of-a-kind piece. And I realized then that there was a market out there that stores needed a place to liquidate fine jewelry, signed pieces, really nice things. And so just like we did with diamonds, uh, now we were in the fine estate jewelry business. And today we're, a, I would say, a major buyer and seller of signed branded jewelry. And uh, that's it. That's, that's how I slid my way into this, uh, into this end of the market. And as you've just described, it's a very cyclical industry. It goes up, it goes down. There are a lot of different factors. This year, especially with uh, COVID-19, how do you see the market? How is, has the stage market been affected by, by this crisis? Well, as I would say surprisingly very good. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon because uh, you would think that uh, people are very concerned about money and Nobody would go out and buy luxury items, but apparently there are people that are not terribly uh, hurt by the finances of today and uh, what's going on. And they, they sign pieces, pieces like from you know, Tiffany, Tiffany Cartier, BCA, David Webb, things like that are very much in demand. We, we all during the, even when things were really at the peak and it was terrible back in March, April, we were getting tremendous inquiry about these signed pieces of people wanting to buy. Um, not so much people selling, people looking to buy. And I think that they just felt there was a security in, in buying these things. Um, it's hard to say. I saw this in 2008 as well. In 2008, when the market crashed, we were very busy actually selling, uh, where you would think we would be busy buying. But people, reality jump, jumps in and people realize that life is not forever and they want what they want. And now they're going to treat themselves to the things that they want. Just an interesting phenomenon. That's very interesting. And how do you re um, reconcile this discrepancy between having people um, asking for signed pieces, but Uh, sellers not not bringing them in at the moment. So uh, how do you how do you deal with this? Because it seems like it's actually a seller's market. So it's, it's a great time for sellers to have a stagery and to be able to to satisfy the the consumer's demand. Well, you know what? I think there are opportunities both ways. The market is extremely active market right now. 
there's liquidity and there is there's high demand. So and people seem to perceive it as a good investment to buy something that is um, a signed name brand piece. I mean, we we've been seeing this before. You saw it in the watch business. The watch business was very hot. I mean, I'm not in the watches at all. I don't understand them, but there was a, and I believe there probably still is a, a very good market for high-end watches. So the opportunity is there both for buyers and sellers, and we're both. We're buyers and sellers. And uh, listen, there are margins in between, and one can't expect to be able to sell at the same price that you know someone that's selling uh, into the market needs to be able to sell it a little below market. And you're not holding out the last prices, uh, you're able to make uh, above, uh, a little bit above that, that, that market uh, based on having what somebody wants. And we carry a large inventory and we, uh, we're online and people can see exactly what we have. By the way, you should go to our website because I think you'll get a good idea of what we do. But it's a, um, I think the opportunities are both ways. It's the right time to sell and, uh, and it's a good time to buy. And you mentioned a few names. You mentioned Cartier and Tiffany and David Webb. Is it? And you said people are looking for something special and meaningful after this this very hard months. Do you see other make makers and other brands being popular or more? Ex- who are the names that actually still have this perception and not just perception, but of investment and long term value? I see all the all the the major names um, when you. Second, I'll try to think of some of the ones that are kind of out of that you wouldn't normally think about, but uh, they're there. You know, names like Angela Cummings and Uccellati and Carvin French and Chopard and uh, oh golly, this Patek, well, Patek Philippe. And then we're going into watches already, but even Raymond Yard, Roberto Coyne has a following in its, in, you know, by themselves. There, certain people that's all they buy is Roberto Coyne. Web is very, very popular, and there's, uh, golly, even names like, uh, I mean, I think I mentioned Bulgari, because definitely, you know, Bulgari, Cartier, David Webb, Tiffany, Van Cleef, th- these, these are the, the main, main names, but uh, you have things like Seaman Sheps and Redura, um, there's just so many, so many out there, and people have their favorites, and but the concept of buying something that is um, that has a name is you know really important and uh, it's important to them somehow takes the fear away compare an, an item that you can buy secondhand as compared to what it would take to go into a store and you know also right now all the stores are closed the main you can't go into tiffany's and and if you can now it's going to be you know on a limited basis and uh, with by special appointment so, uh, but I think the major difference is also price relative to what things sell for at these places. Secondhand, uh, you can buy really bargains. It's a market that's uh, considerably below what uh, retail sells for. And I think this attracts a lot of people to it. That is very interesting. And do you see specific uh, periods being, being more popular, even within like the Cartier or the Van Cleef jewels that, that you have? Art Deco has always been a, a favorite. People just seem to, I think it's the look they like. I know there are people that, that have their favorite uh, periods that they like. 
There are some people that look only for retro pieces from the 40s. And then there are people that want, they don't mind buying more modern, you know, 70s pieces, 80s. It's not so much, I don't think it's so much by the name of the period, but rather the look that they like. And uh, people have their favorites. And how do you see uh, the future of, uh, I mean, the future is so hard to, to say these days, the future, but at least the midterm until the end of the year, early 2021, how the sector is going to evolve? Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I could turn out to look very foolish when this finally, when you finally put this uh, this uh, webcast out, because I know it's not coming out tomorrow. Uh, so, but uh, I think it, it will remain strong. I think it's good. We're, we're definitely going through a very strong period. Um, I think when the COVID crisis is over, it, it will get even stronger. There's, uh, it's, it's not like it started three months ago and now all of a sudden, wow, we didn't expect this. What's going on? It's true. We didn't. It's, uh, this was, uh, we kind of expected things would stop along with all the other businesses. But also this is an, a lot of this business is online driven and the people have time now to look and people have been home. And that's another reason, I think, why it's busier now than we expected. But uh, the business has been busy for the last three or four years uh, or five years. I mean, since since I came into it, I can't speak from before that because I was kind of naive to what was going on. But it's been a very active and strong business. And I personally think it's going to continue. That's, that's good. That's encouraging. I mean, before the crisis, as you said, we reported in Rappaport magazine and also on diamonds.net how the, the sector, the estate jewelry, the secondhand sector was, was very strong and thriving. And so, so that's good to, to know that things are going to, to carry on and, uh, and, pick, and build up actually on this, on this appreciation for estate jewelry. I'm really um, bullish on, on this aspect of the business. You remember, I, I come from a diamond background and I was always a diamond person in, in those years when gold and silver and diamonds went up. Uh, I, I got involved in gold too. And th those were fleeting moments. Uh, and this feels different to me. It really feels that uh, there is a business there. This is something, something very different. And I think it's, uh, for all the jewelry stores that are out there, this is uh, this is a great. Um, I don't want to say a hedge because, but it's 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 a diversity. Uh, it's a, it's it's a diversification from what we were normally doing. You know, most uh, jewelry stores they'll carry traditional things, whether they're engagement section or uh, earrings and studs and stuff. Modern jewelry because that's that's what we know. But this is something that's evolving, and I think it's finding its way into the local jewelers as well. They may not have hundreds of pieces to show, that, but but these things are available. They're available online for the for the stores to to present to their customers, and uh, it's a market. It's another market. Just the you know we. We, we go, we're just going through a period and we're going through a period where we're nervous about the synthetics and lab grown and this and that. And uh, I think that I don't see that taking over the market. I see that another piece of the market and it will find its level, whatever it is within the market. And I think the same is very much true for, for this type of jewelry. It's not for everyone. I mean, some pieces are quite expensive and uh, not everyone can afford those things. It may not be for the everyday person, but there are lesser, lesser 
expensive items that people can get involved in. And uh, I think it'll be a segment of the business. What's the, the proportion between the branded pieces and the non-branded pieces that you have in uh, at Rich Labs? I would say that uh, I truthfully haven't looked at it. I probably should have, but I didn't. But I would say that the, the majority of the pieces we have are branded. Um, it's, uh, we, we carry all types of, we try not, not to get involved with, I would say, run-of-the-mill kind of stuff because it's just not our business. Um, but so we will have finer pieces, even if it's not a signed piece, but uh, we try to push very hard to inventory signed pieces because uh, I think that's where the future is. And which, which one of these pieces do you, are you the most excited about at the moment that you've seen it, <laughs> that, you, that you, you acquire and you, you actually wouldn't let you be happy to? You know, it's like saying, which one of your kids or your grandchildren <laughs> do you like the best? I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but there are things that do come in that are very special. We recently bought a uh, David Webb uh, bracelet, that uh, coral bracelet from the 70s. They just don't make it with things with like this with coral all around anymore. I mean, I, I'm not seeing it there. There are coral pieces and pieces with a little bit of coral, but this is a really special bracelet with diamonds and emeralds and rubies. Uh, I think it has uh, double lion's heads on it. It's it's a magnificent piece. The last, um, this would be like I was talking about before. This is a one of a kind. I think. The last known retail sale on this, and I forgot when it was, was $235,000. It's just a magnificent piece. I don't know of any others that are like it that are for sale. There's nothing in the market that I've seen. It's not like, oh, my girlfriend has that one. This one one is for somebody that wants something very special. And uh, we appreciate those things, you know, when we see that. I mean, this was made by hand. I don't want to say they can't make these anymore, but I think they just don't. It's um, quite a job to put this thing together. It was, it's really something special. I think just uh, the description of this David Webb piece just confirmed the appeal of estate jewelry and how we can see what consumers and clients and people who are looking for something special are drawn to rickshaws and other estate dealers that offer outstanding um, crafted, crafted pieces. I have to tell you, as I get uh, closer to the, the my uh, my golden uh, years in the business, um, uh, this has really pumped new life into me because it's very exciting. It's an exciting business. Thank you so much, Rick. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today and uh, giving us this snapshot into the what's the estate jury market coming with your experience. I think that's uh, and that's very positive and encouraging, and especially to know that retailers also are starting to sell estate jewelry either online or in a store to create a dedicated column. I think that's uh, that's very um, very positive for for us all estate jewelry and lovers. So thank you so much, Rick. It is my pleasure. Please stay healthy, stay safe, and hope we'll talk in the near future and uh, just see that. Uh, Maybe I'm lucky and what I said is true. I hope it is as well, and I'm sure it is. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. And if you want to know a bit more about estate jewelry, please visit Jewelry Connoisseur, where we have a lot of different articles on uh, various makes, brands, history, uh, historical figures, and 
houses and also encourage you to check on Instagram Rick Schatz account where you can see beautiful jewelry always very nicely displayed so I would if you love beautiful images and estate jewelry I would encourage you to visit and until next time bye thanks for joining us at the jewelry connoisseur podcast if you enjoyed this and would like more top quality jewelry content check out the jewelry connoisseur blog at jewelryconnoisseur.net 